Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. Hi everyone, today I would like to start by saying a big thank you to Reggie Morris. He is the producer and special projects manager at Louisiana Eats. We have been trying to figure out uh, on a very human level this equipment, (laughs) engineering equipment that it's kind of like speaking a different language for me. I uh, am also here with my partner, John. I'm going to introduce my guests now. It's been a very interesting evening on many levels, and we'll get into it in a little bit. But my my guest tonight, my first guest, which only makes sense, a lot of you already know him, but he is pretty much my, my best friend, one of my best friends in the whole world, and we've We've had a friend, Chris, how many years have we known each other? Christopher Galliano, Chris Galliano. I recall since 98, 1998. Yeah, long time. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting. And I also want to say that my vision is, you know, Chris is, you'll be here many times. And there's so many topics to talk to this person about that I, I can't even begin to describe the depth of the conversations and the growth that we've both experienced multi-dimension on this universe and planet and probably past lives and karmic things but i don't even i don't even know how to introduce you because it's it's so many things so i i, I do want to take not a long time but maybe a, a little brief two minutes for you to to say a little bit about yourself, your past, your experience. What I can tell you guys is that when I met Chris, I was in before, a little before college, and then we went to college together, and he was the president of the SGA and, you know, did a lot of political things in college. We went to southeastern Louisiana and then went on to the military, traveled the world. Chris is also a big lover of New Orleans. He's also really well known for his James Bond parties, <laughs> which a lot of you guys know, and Crawfish Boys and Jazz Fest parties and hosting a lot of Jazz Fest musicians. But you are so many things to so many people, and that's why I really wanted to have you here. And so please tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, thank you, Natalie. I'm, I'm not used to really talking about myself in, in this type of light. So I think it's going to take a little while for the conversation to get going. But I, I think you know, just having a, a point of sincerity and, and a, a good foundation to begin a conversation is, is a good start. Why did you join the military? You know, it's, it's a really odd story. My, my father, he worked at Delgado Community College in Mid-City. And I think he was always wondering what I was going to eventually do. And I think I had a concerned parent. And he was actually getting a, a sub a sub at Subway right there on City Park Avenue. And there was a Navy recruiter in line with him. And my dad's a very conversational person. And the, the recruiter's name was uh, Chief Alvin Walker. And he was originally from Marrero. 
And uh, my dad struck up a conversation with him and said, you know, you're a chief. You know, so my dad recognized rank and, and insignia. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm right across the street. I'm an officer recruiter just looking for some good prospects. So my dad said, well, you know, I think I may have one. I, w- I want to introduce you to my son. He's a bright kid. He, he's doing his thing over at Southeastern. He's not here at Delgado right now, but I'd like for you to talk to him. So the, the next thing I know, my father had called me up and said, you know, I met this really nice guy, Chief Walker, and he's an officer recruiter. And at the time, Bill Clinton was president, and it was a time of peace. You know, this is pre-9-11. And uh, Chief Walker called me up and said, Chris, this is a really good officer program. And if you qualify and you go through these tests and physical tests and aptitude test and you place into the program, you know, there's a good chance that we might be able to, you know, help you with your last year of college. So I was kind of in in an early entry program back then. And that was at the time that the military was cut back dramatically during the Clinton administration. So they were, they had a big dip. And so they're looking to get the numbers back up. And so the Navy has officer manning levels. And so they, every year there's a quota that gets approved by Congress. And so it just so happened that the year that I was going into my senior year of college, the officer recruiting levels were fairly low. So it was, it was a good time for me to get in. And so I talked to Chief Walker. I went down to Poland Avenue, right across from Bacchanal. And if, if you know Bacchanal, there's this old military base that is no longer there. It's since been turned over to the city of New Orleans. And so I went there and took the aptitude test. And at the time, I wanted to be a pilot. So I, I went through the, the pilot aptitude test to go into the flight program, but I was colorblind. So they said, you know, they came back and you can't really correct colorblindness. They said, look, you, you know, you got, you got everything going on, but you're colorblind, so you can't, you don't qualify for this. So I was really rejected and I couldn't do what I wanted to do. But they said, but, you know, we have another opportunity for you and there's another program. So I went to officer candidate school after I graduated, and then I went to surface warfare officer school in Rhode Island, and I learned how to become a ship pilot, and that was the first thing that I learned how to do. So I learned how to drive ships, and then after Rhode Island, I went to San Diego and and got into the fleet. And you lived in Hawaii? I, li- well, I lived in San Diego. And then you were stationed in Hawaii for a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I, I, got, I got sent to Hawaii for, for seven weeks. Is there like a submarine involved in that? At the time, no, no, there were there were dolphins. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I got sent to I got sent to Hawaii for seven weeks and I, I got attached to the unit, what they call Marine Mammal Unit. So that was my first tour. And what they had done was the Navy has taught a certain select group of dolphins how to find and locate mines underwater. So the dolphins, they keep them in these large, what look like kiddie pools in the back of a ship. Then they push the dolphins into the water. Wait, real dolphins? Real dolphins. Oh, wow. So we have explosive experts, dolphins, and divers. And so the dolphins go and find mines underwater. So the dolphins are trained to find and locate mines, and then they come back, and they show the divers and the explosive experts where to go, and then they go and dismantle the mine underwater. So I was part of that unit for about seven weeks, and then they deployed with us for what later became Operation Iraqi Freedom. So you went 
Where was your first overseas trip? And so Hawaii was my first. And, and we then were overseas. Iraq? We worked yeah, we worked with the dolphins and we went around Lanai and, and Kauai. We ended up going across the Pacific Ocean and the Indian Ocean through the Strait of Hormuz. And that was the first time I saw uh, Iranian warships was in the Strait of Hormuz. And then we went into the Arabian Sea. And then you went you went twice, right? To overseas. Yeah. So I, I went to I didn't really know what was happening as we were across the, crossing the Pacific Ocean. And it wasn't really common knowledge that we were going to go in, into Iraq. And, and no one really knew what was going to happen at that point. I think everyone knew that, that you know, we were going to commit troops and so forth. Next thing we know, we're, we're in the, the Arabian Sea. And it got really interesting because we had to really clear the whole sea. So if you can imagine a group of people coming into the Gulf of Mexico and clearing all the oil platforms and all the supply boats, which are industry and private sector. So, And there's thousands of people out there. So if you can imagine coming in and inspecting all the boats and clearing all the oil and natural gas platforms. That's a, it's a pretty big undertaking. So just to do that, that type of an effort is a major thing. But then there was something that was called the shock and awe campaign. And so the shock and awe campaign was really the push to go into Iraq and occupy the country. And so that's, that's, that was part of the, you know, what we had to do. So I, I worked with the Marine Corps and uh, I worked on amphibious assault ships, and we landed troops into Kuwait. And from Kuwait, we had stationed the military forces and went into Iraq. At the same time, we were launching cruise missiles, uh, and we were clearing all the oil platforms. So, you know, everything was accounted for. And I, I don't think we'll ever see something like that again. And why is that? Well, it was a really bold, aggressive move for us to go into a country like that. I, I just I don't see it happening with this administration per se. It could happen. I just I just I think that was somewhat unprecedented, and I don't think that that'll be repeated anytime soon. But that that's just one person's opinion. It, it doesn't mean that it couldn't happen. But it, it takes a lot of resources. It takes a lot of resources and a commitment to do to do such a thing. Oh, I'm sure. And you know, I always admire the commitment that I've seen in people like you when they're serving the country that they are serving, such as in this case the United States. The discipline of going to that job every day and doing what you do and being on the ship and really, there's so much commitment and discipline in there as a as a yogi, I can relate to that because yogis, when you are really in the role and you're practicing every day and you're committed to meditation and upraising the vibration of the planet, there's a lot of discipline involved. As a yogi, I, I would love to see world peace. And that is my um, why I'm here on this planet, to see this planet evolve and to see us all as humans evolve, and there's so much transformation going on currently, it really um, is amazing. So fast forward all of these years, how many years were you in the military? I, I served for 
Nine years and 11 months. So almost 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah, it was a good it was a good while. Pretty much most of my 20s and yeah, it was it was quite an experience. And that's why I kind of also felt it was important to bring it up at least in one of our first conversa- our first conversation on the podcast because you know, this is a very big part of your life and to understand who you are, you have to understand the process. I happened to be there. <laughs> I met you before it. And I saw you go through the whole thing, and and I I literally prayed for you many nights, not knowing if you were coming back home or not. You know what was happening, and hoping and praying that all it was all good. And thank God it was. But we never know, and I'm sure there's so many people in the same place you know even today there's so many people in the army that literally you guys give your life every day and we so appreciate that and so appreciate the effort and the willingness and you know when you're giving your life to something I don't care what that that's just huge how many people out there can say they actually give their life you know you could you're putting your life in the line that there's nothing more than that. Life is so precious. It's a very old world idea to serve in, in a nation's military and to, to put yourself in that position. You know, that's, that's kind of been the basis of the success of many empires in the history of the world. So in, in a way it's a very historic old world view of, of, of doing things. And in this country, that that dedication and just the people that are stepping up to do it, I, I always call it a young person sport, you know, almost like professional athletics. And I think it's a great experience for anyone who's young. It's it's definitely it definitely takes a lot of courage and, and it takes a certain amount of commitment. And you just have to accept you have to accept the decisions you make. I take my hat off to everyone who is in and everyone who's ever served and, and, and to the veterans as well. They, were, they held up their end of the deal. And I think it's, it's our country's obligation to take care of both the people that are in uniform, but also the veterans. You know, I would like to see improved veteran care. I'm also a member of the VA system, and it and currently takes about three months for me to get an appointment for healthcare. And that's something I would like to see get reduced to about three weeks. And there's no reason why we can't do that. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I think that's not asking a whole lot. And I don't know if it's a matter of resources or process. I could go deep into why that's the case, but you know. Fast forwarding all of those years. What are you doing now? Right now, I'm um, I'm a partner in, in an organization called Inmeta, and yes, we're a business. We work with model-based technologies. We're doing some really interesting things with data, but I, you know, I have my own visions of Inmeta. Uh, we really have an amazing team that we surround ourselves with. Some amazing people, both as people, but also technically brilliant, and in a way. We're we're a think tank, but we're not a think tank that just sits around and comes up with ideas that do nothing. We're a think tank that identifies real problems. We come up with solutions, 
and we we solve the problem. And that's that's what that's kind of what we do. I know that's that's kind of a I know that's kind of a hazy description, but it it, it all involves technology and it all involves complex data initiatives. Yeah, everything you do sounds very techy to me. It's very high end, and and you're you lately you've been busy. You've been so busy, which is great. It's good to see you pursuing your your dreams. It is a dream. Yeah, I um, in Meta, in Meta is a special group. You know, we we deal with everything from trying to solve issues with data exchanges in the banking sector. We're working with the Air Force on some cyber initiatives and something called Internet of Things. And so Internet of Things is, you know, if you can imagine, you know, five billion devices that all get connected to the internet and the cyber vulnerabilities of five billion devices. Now think twenty billion devices. Now think a hundred billion devices and then thousand uh, a trillion devices. It's it's just gonna go on and on and on. And so with that many devices, there are also that many vulnerabilities, and to be able to to be able to discover what these vulnerabilities are in advance of those vulnerabilities getting exploited for us is a very exciting space to be in. So I have a I have a question that's just been coming up to me right now. I'm, I feel like I'm we need to ask this in the yoga context. We always tune into the present moment, so. The present moment is all we have. And what I say today may not be exactly the same thing I'm going to say tomorrow or in a week from now. Or hopefully there is some consistency in anybody who's doing the work of working with, you, with your own self and figuring out who you are in this life, in this planet, in this incarnation, and why you're here. If you are doing the work day in, day out, there's some deep thoughts that go into it that brings you to the essence of who you are, the closer and closer to the self with a capital S. But with that said, it can also change over time. So I say this because, and I think this is something that's going to be on my podcast to all of the people that come in. I hope they have this feeling. I don't want anybody to feel because you said something today here and it's being recorded and it's online or whatever it goes. It's the truth forever because it is. And the truth is only the truth in this moment. And so today, if I were to ask you, besides your work and besides what you do, who is Chris Galliano as a human being? And what are the qualities of a, of a, a human that you like to express within your existence on this planet? Well, that's a really good question, <laughs> Natalie. Um, we, we didn't rehearse that. <laughs> we, we didn't really rehearse that one, but it, you know, I'll give it my best. I think life is very short-lived. And I think in that time that we have life, I think we have to be honest with ourselves. And we have to really think a little bit and tune out the noise and think about who we are and, and what kind of contribution we want to make while we still have life. And in that process of that discovery and figuring out what you really want to do, I think you have to treat people the way that you really want to be treated. And that sounds so simple, but it isn't. It isn't. It sounds really simple, and it's like, oh yeah, I've always heard that. But how many people are actually doing that out there? 
I, one of the reasons why I completely, you know, adore you and you are a very good friend of mine and somebody I, I completely, yeah, just cherish and adore because you live this truth. You, the way that you treat, just Chris has so many friends from all sorts of life. I mean, you could say, you know, black, blue, purple, yellow, rainbow, uh, <laughs> different, like that is just you. And, and every time you come around you there, you will see all of that. And, and so that ability to connect to every, every person and no matter who, and everybody has the ability to connect with you, that is a true gift. Then that's coming from something that's very deep inside of you, that you really live that as your truth. I think it takes, it takes a while for us to go through the process of self-discovery, and it can come through life experience, it could come through books, it could come through music, it could come through, through you know your family, who you surround yourself with. But just to really get to the heart of who you are, discovering your purpose, facing the fear, and and, and finding finding the warm spots, and you know it's really hard to go from from cold to hot all of a sudden, but you can find warm usually, and just just finding your way, find that warmth, and surrounding yourself with the right people. I think is also very important, but it's also equally important to realize that you're not the only person on this earth and you got to maintain your relationships. You got to, you got to maintain everything. I'm a firm believer in, in having really good friends. And because if you think about it, you know, at the end of the day, who's going to really help you? Your friends. Yeah. And we've talked about this before, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. I'm saying this is not a new idea, but there is the family that you're born with, which is your bloodline. And there's also the family that you choose while you're on this human existence, incarnation in, in my, my head, but we, just can, we can just simply say this life. And that is the people that you, to me at least, family... My, when I say my family, it is not only the people who are my bloodline or you know, among those, yes, my bloodline, but also those who I have along the way, you know, build a deep relationship with and they have become my family on a much deeper level sometimes than people who are my blood family, not to disregard one or the other. However, I believe that family comes in all shapes and forms. It does. And, and I think people often place expectations on others. And um, to me, I think it should be about acceptance. And you know, I, I think in order to get acceptance, you have to have understanding. I go back and forth between acceptance and understanding. But I think you have to go through both of those to find comfort. Now, some people can accept someone without understanding them. I try to understand someone before I accept them. And but but I think compassion is rooted in both. Compassion is a really big thing because I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, but this just came. One thing that I've observed on you, and I can't even say that I I I observe and I try to learn, but I don't think I'm there yet. 
is that you have this really kind of cool ability to go through an experience with, with a being and then not get too attached to the results. And so if the, the, the relationship transforms into something else from, from A to B, B to C, C to D, whatever, you, you have this sort of constant equanimity of, well, even though, you know, we have changed forms of relationship, you're still in my life and it's okay. And, and, and we, and I am going to admire you for who you are and love you for who you are without any attachment of what you can do and provide for me. And that's really interesting. Yeah, it's, it can be looked at as, as real love or pure love. Mm-hmm. And, unconditional uh, love. Unconditional love, I think. That's really unconditional love. And, and unfortunately, and I'll say this, unfortunately, most people are afraid to love. And I don't get that. I would like to see more love in the world in general. But uh, going back to what you were talking about just a second ago, we're all changing. You know, there's nothing static. There's nothing static. We change, humans change every day. People change every day, weekly, monthly, yearly. They're, you know, we live, we live in this, this cosmic universe. And I think sometimes many people get into ruts or they, they get in a hole or they get stuck in the mud, whether it be professionally or in a relationship. And they don't change together. And I think I think the best relationships are when people understand their own change, but also understand the other person, their partner's change. And those are the healthy relationships. The relationships that I see that are healthy is when they're both changing. They neither have a concept of their own change or the other person's change. And so things just kind of get stagnant. And that's one, that's one thing I would like to see change in the world. I know I've, I've probably used change like 20 times in the last two minutes, but... No, that's very fitting. You know, physics, physics and chemistry and science tells us that. And we just, haven't, we just haven't brought that into human dynamics as much as we need to. We don't focus on that. But that would be my advice to anyone in a relationship. Be aware of your own change, but also be aware of the other person's change. That's the magic. That is the magic. <laughs> I like that. The magic. <laughs> if you had an advice to your younger self, what would you say to you when you were a teenager? If I could go back now, I would say, don't worry, Chris, these zits won't last forever. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to go away. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Oh, and, 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 and when your friends, uh, when you're tempted by peer pressure to pick up a cigarette and smoke, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not good you for you. It's Chris, not healthy. Do not do it. You know, it may seem cool, but long-term health benefits, um, you know, we have enough research now to, to know that, you know, cigarettes are very poisonous. Yeah. I, uh, way back, I'm currently watching this TV series of Zelda Fitzgerald. <laughs> And uh, the wife of uh, and lover of the author Scott Scott Fitzgerald, and of the Great Gatsby, <laughs> my accent. 
So it's a it's a wonderful Amazon series, and they smoke the whole time. It, it used to be the cigarettes were very hip, and uh, they I, I believe somebody told me that they they maybe even saw it as something that was healthy for you or something. So it's crazy, but I think way back a lot of people smoke for those reasons. But now we're we're having such a three sixty change on the planet on a planetary level everything is kind of coming full circle everything is going into this new era of what's sexy now is to be healthy Mm -hmm. what's sexy now is okay i am going to actually take care of myself body mind spirit and what a thrill it is for somebody like me that i've been in the yoga world and this higher consciousness level i want things to happen for our higher self and I really believe in evolution. So for me to see that this is happening on a planetary level, everything is changing so fast right now. Mm-hmm. And on a spirit level, once you say, I want change, change comes to you. It happens very fast. All you need to do is ask. And okay. I'm going to say something. I, I want to know your opinion on this because I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Can, can I ask you a question on that note? Yes. Because um, I think I've been talking maybe a little too much about no. about uh, you know answering the questions and so forth, but this is a good question. So when you ask, what are you asking and, and to what? Is it is it some universal space? Right. Is it, so is it Yah? Is it is it something that we call God? So that is a very personal question. I'm glad you asked that because that's gonna come up a lot in all the podcasts that I do. Personally speaking, I believe in God and I don't have any problems with the word God, G-O-D. I am a yoga teacher and I do have a yoga student. I deal with a lot of people who are searching for something higher for their higher self and praying and on a on i what i what i have seen among observing human beings and my students and people i deal with is that it doesn't matter who you pray for who you call into the space on a personal level for me i have no problem with god but if somebody has it could be that could be very easily changed for the word love and that could be very easily changed for higher power and energy or mother earth or prana life force there are so i have so many friends people that i love and i trust and that are on the path of transformation and they can they call in their spirit guides their angels their ancestors god the higher power let's call it love let's call it energy in ancient civilizations, they also would call it the sun god, you know, or I mean, for, for many civilizations, the sun, literally the sun is a god because the sun transmits energy and is a source of life. The sun aids with crops, with growth. We need the sun is also fire is high energy. So you know, though, I, I really want people to not get caught up in words because who cares what you call it? But the truth is, if you can close your eyes and take it. So let's do that right now. Close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. And just keep your eyes closed and breathe. Breathe 
and tune in with your breath. Notice where that exhalation goes and everybody who's listening to do to this podcast, do that together with us. Let's all do this again. Inhale through your nose. And then exhale to the back of your throat, deep down under your navel. And just take a few breaths up and down your spine. And just kind of notice how you're feeling. And tune into yourself. And with your eyes closed, I ask you, can you feel something deeper than what is out there or the surface of who you are? Can you connect to yourself? In yoga, we call the self with a capital S, the essence of who you are. And if you can, what is that? From where does that light, that inner light, that you can literally probably visualize it, come from? Well, that to me is the energy and the higher power that we're talking about. And I don't care what you call it, but it's there. And a very simple way to see that is when a a human body, a human existence leaves its body and takes that last breath, which usually, I think, if not always, I don't know, I think it's an exhalation, right? Mm -hmm. The last breath is an exhalation. It is done. The essence of who you are. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I know it's getting a little morbid, but you go to a funeral and it's just not there anymore. <laughs> it's just not there. We're spiritual beings trapped in human bodies. Yes, we are spiritual beings having a human existence. That's right. This is a body temple. I speak like this to my students every day. And I deeply believe in that. So the energy or going back to your question, whatever it is, doesn't matter what we call it because it's universal. Isn't it something how you go across different civilizations, history, religion, culture, you name it, cross continents. There's always some element of a similar being and you know, growing up here in South Louisiana and growing up Catholic and growing up, you know, more or less a Christian, you have this understanding of, of both your religion, your culture, what your family taught, what you're taught in school as a basis of your, the foundation of your belief system. And I think that's very important to have for everyone. But what's really cool is that when you can get out and experience how other cultures experience the same thing. And it's called something different, but it's very similar, you know? And and uh, just going through that discovery in general is something I, f- I wish everyone could do in this world. They don't always get a chance to do it, but I think that lesson alone is highly valuable. Highly valuable. And that's actually why is I believe is so important to travel, because when you have this you know, when you when you can go and and go to different places in the world, and you talk to people, even if you don't speak their language, and you realize that no no matter what our differences, at the end of the day, we're all connected. We're the same. And so, anybody who travels and you experience different cultures in different places, I think part of the beauty is that not only we learn about you know our fellow humans' experiences and cultures, but also we see that we are the same. It doesn't matter, you know, like if you have money, you don't have money, where you come from, what language you speak. 
we all have some very basic common human needs. We do. We do. And I would love to see this whole world uh, kind of drop the arrogance of them being the right or the only way of being. And I, and I think if we drop the arrogance, we drop the righteousness, you know, we drop the hypocrisy, you know, then, then we can really start to do something productive. But I, I think, I think we kind of get stuck in this whole, you know, this whole notion of, you know, our way is the only way or our way is the right way and everyone else's. Yeah, my way or the highway. We're black and white. Or they're destined for, you know, if you're not this, you're destined for, you know, or you should be. And I, I, th- I just think that's extreme. And I think, I think we got to get through the looking glass and, and, and sharpen the lenses and realize that we are, we are one world humanity and we just got to behave that way. I like to, to, to think of, I actually wrote this in one of my, my websites though. I really kind of, I've always seen myself as a citizen of the wor- the world. And that's how anybody asks me what nationality you are. This has been going on for you. I always put global citizen, but now I see myself more than that. I think we are earthlings, which is we're just humans on this planet. This planet belongs to all of us and we need to take care of it. This, I know it sounds so cliche, but it isn't in, we, if it is not for Mother Earth, we wouldn't be here. And so the air that we breathe, the water, the food that we take, everything needs to be conscious, conscious choices, conscious decisions. I don't think anything happens for no reason. Everything, everything that's happening in your life is not a coincidence. It's you are exactly where you need to be at each time. I'm saying this now and also thinking about New Orleans. And I wanted to bring this up because I know how much you love New Orleans. We are in New Orleans, Louisiana right now. And you, although you've traveled a lot and you lived in a lot of different places, you are from, what do you call somebody who's like born in New New Orleans or what what is that? Yeah, I call... I call them a New Orleanian, and, and most most folks around here would say the same. So New Orleans, and I know there's some listeners that will be probably listening from all over the planet because I have friends all over the world, and hopefully this the internet. That's the beauty of the internet, right? That anybody can tune in. But New New Orleans is known as one of the most hunted cities on the planet. <laughs> New Orleans is also known as a city that has amazing food and culture and heritage. You really embody this city so well. And you have so much love for the culture and the festivals and the people of the city. So I have a question because I do want to add this in this in this podcast today. Today, Why do you love New Orleans so much? What is so special about this city for you? If you were to describe New Orleans to somebody who's never been here, it's, you know, some of my family in Brazil or France, and how would you describe New Orleans? It's so magical. It, it, it really is. It, it is pure magic. I think the only way to, to really describe it is to, to feel it. You know, some, some things are hard to explain. If you feel it, it's easy to explain because you felt it already. And and I think I think the beauty of this city is is so many things. It's in its path to where it is today. 
it, it's it's in the fusion of so many cultures, you know, French, Spanish, African, German, Italian, uh, Vietnamese, Cajuns, and I say Cajuns, I mean, you know, Acadian by way of Canada. The list goes on and on, and we've always been a melting pot. I think in many ways it's because we're a port city, so we've had that luxury, but we were also you know, really prominent French territory. And, you know, just going through originally being French and then being sold to the Spanish and then being sold back to the French and then being bought and uh, annexed by America and experiencing that and then the waves of immigration that came through in parallel to a lot of the immigration waves that, that New York experienced just really brought this beautiful thing. You know, the notion of dancing in the street came from New Orleans. Oh yeah, um, that song. Jazz, jazz music, you know, jazz, jazz is the jazz jazz is like the yah of, of all music in my opinion, American music. You know, and jazz jazz gave birth to blues and blues gave birth to rock and roll. And rock and roll gave birth to pop. But it all comes back to jazz and it all comes back to the street right here, Dumain. And Congo Square is only two miles away, so to be that close to the birthplace of American music is really special. And, and we, we haven't even started talking about food. And yeah. um, you know, and that, you love to cook. I do. I do. I love to cook. You know, my family's from Lafourche and Terrebonne Parish, so I, you know, culturally I'm Cajun, but I'm the first of my family born here in New Orleans. So I, it had its ups and downs because. You know, I don't have a, a real thick Cajun accent or a New Orleans accent because I, I think I grew up confused and I didn't know exactly how to talk between those two distinct accents that are quite different. I think, I, I think I've got a good fusion going on with, with the way that I cook. So I've been able to incorporate the best of New Orleans cuisine with the best of down the bio. And what do you think is so special about the festivals that we have? I, th- I think it's just part of it's just part of what's always been. I think we have a lot to celebrate. I think I think being festive is in our nature, and uh, and I think we're also a society where people like to get out and see other people, and smile and listen to music and eat good food. That's not something that really exists just everywhere. It's kind of an old world thing if you think about it. You know, you, you go you go to some places across the country. They have what they call the county fair. We don't even have counties, but it's just like that one thing, that one year. And here, you know, there's a new festival every week. You know, you get the festival calendar and hit it up and never be bored. And through that, you could experience so many different things, so many different subcultures just in this one state. I'm amazed by the different dialects, the different ways of life and the different cuisine just within a hundred mile radius of New Orleans. If you go north, the accent is completely different than if you go down the bay of the Fouche Parish where my family's from. Mm-hmm. Or if you go further west, or if you go east, or if you go to, you know, St. Bernard Parish or, or Jefferson or or St. Charles or, or St. Tammany. Just just that just that right there alone, the accents are quite different. But they all cook gumbo and jambalaya. 
which is just really, really cool. And I just, I love that. I mean, there's no other place in the world where you could go and experience something like that. It is pretty unique. I lived in many different countries. I lived in Europe for a while and South America and here in different states in the United States as well. And I can generally say uh, New Orleans is very unique. There's nothing like it. There's nothing Whether like you it. love it or you don't, New Orleans is New Orleans and it's super unique. Yeah, New Orleans has that funk. It's got the, it's got that ya ya. Yeah. It's you a know, place of its own. It, it, it's remarkable. <laughs> it's remarkable. And you know, I would like I would like nothing more just to see uh, a continuous level of respect for the culture that exists and for people to respect it and, and embrace it as much as they can. Because, you know, whether you've been here for five weeks or you've been here for 50 years, you know, New Orleans is always open and you can make it, you could be a part of it. It's a really funky place. And if anybody hasn't visited yet, I highly suggest come experience the French Quarter, the, the music, the food, the plantations, the swamps. And if you can, learn how to make a roux. <laughs> That's my advice. You make a roux, you're in. <laughs> so right now we are sitting at Chris Galliano's beautiful home, and he lives in Mid-City and is this very uh, sort of classic New Orleans home with these beautiful windows and high ceilings, and it seems like I am sometimes feel like I'm in a different time zone. In a lot of the houses in New Orleans, you feel that you're in some, you know, way back or something. There's this feeling of cold. You have this beautiful porch too. Today, when I walked in here, the first thing I said is, when can we sit on this porch and have a glass of wine and Um, have the when? (laughs) Yeah, when? (laughs) Whenever you want. It's such a beautiful porch, you guys. And it has this, these plants. And so before I came here, you said, that you were going to meditate today? Yeah, I didn't have enough time to do it. I wanted to. So you have been incorporating meditation in your life? I do. I and do. Exor- you said you were going to try to exercise and meditate before the podcast? I, d- I did exercise, yeah. I, and so how's the meditation going for you? I go. It, I love it. I love it. It's. Um, do you try to meditate every day? I, I, go, I go through different, it's ebbs and flows. I would love to. I would love to do it every day. If I could get it every other day, I'm very happy. And you know, much like my my workout routine, I try to do something every day and I try to give myself something every day for health. And meditation is also a gift. If I can meditate and and work out, I'm a total happy camper because I get I get the best of both worlds. But I, yeah, I love my meditation time. To me, you know, that's time where you can let your brain cool down. You know, we, we're over, we have so much overstimulation in general. And then we have thoughts that keep running in our head. We have thoughts that come to us in our sleep. We, we're surrounded by these devices and television and uh, a bunch of fake news. <laughs> and we don't know what to believe. And meditation is a time where you can actually tone it down just a little bit and get into a space where you can be creative, you can solve problems you haven't really thought about, you can think of new approaches to new horizons, you can think of ways to move forward. 
there's so many things you could do in a meditative state that you can't really do, you know, while waiting in the Starbucks line. Yeah, I, I, I try to meditate every day. At least that is my goal. Some days, just like every human, it will be a rush day and I don't get to it. And that is okay. I don't beat myself up for it. I really believe that you have to love yourself. So it's really important to not be critical of when you cannot get to meditation or cannot get to whatever it is that you're trying to get to have love and compassion for yourself as, as you would for anybody else on the planet. And it's okay. It's just another day. Move on tomorrow. There's a new day. Try again, but sitting in meditation for, I do 20 minutes a day. It's a huge blessing. And I advise everybody to do it. There's a very easy app it's called that I use, but there's many apps. The one I use called Headspace. And you can start with five minutes a day, 10 minutes. It keeps track. It tells you how many people are meditating every time you sit. It's such a great way to clear your mind, to connect with spirit. Again, the higher power. There is a quote that I love that it says, prayer is when you talk to God. Meditation is when you listen. So in many, in many different books that I have read and masters that I have studied with, it, they will tell you when you sit, you and your breathing, you connect with higher power and there's an energy source that will come through to you and will rejuvenate your body, mind, spirit. So you are downloading prana, you're downloading energy for some, from something much bigger than us. So every, a lot of the things we do in life, we're giving, we're doing, we're dispensing energy, if that's a, a way to, I don't even know if that's a word, but whatever. I'm just thinking like giving out, I'm imagining these rays of light getting out of your body. But when you're sitting in meditation, you're actually, it's actually coming and filling you up. So it's one of the only things that we do that actually fills us up with higher power and source and angel light, energy, whatever you want to call it. So it's so important. I'm so happy to hear that you're doing that. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite remarkable. And I think one th- I think one thing that I love about it is it brings more light into your body. We have a tendency to manifest so much whether it be in our torso, in a glute- gluteal region. Yeah. We, we we manifest so much there energy and we don't have a practice or a method to move energy around. So sometimes there's like pockets that I that I call pockets of darkness that just kind of embed in our in ourselves. And I really believe that's that's how people get sick. Oh yeah. But that's a that's a, I could go on and on about that. I'm gonna save that for a different podcast because that's part that's part of what I do. Um energy can stagnate in your body and yeah. it, and it, and it any illness begins in the subtle body, begins in the spiritual body, and then it develops in the physical body. So we can uh, take care of that before it gets into our physical body. All of us have a subtle body. Some people call it aura and so on. But we will go into more of that a lot. <laughs> However, let's see. Yeah, I think we are. We're good. Um I just wanted to close in the really high end note of, I don't know, just all of the encompassing of who you are. And I love that you're meditating and all the great food and you all, inspire the, me. 
Oh, thank you. All the great friends. You inspire me too. The great friends. Uh, we share many friends in common. A lot of people, a lot of the great people I have met is through you. So I thank you for that. Oh. And uh, so many of our friends are divine light, divine source, and are all creating and doing beautiful things on this planet. And, you know, everybody, when you really take a moment to to take a step back and look at somebody in, in the eye and take a deep breath together with someone, you see the light in their eyes and you see how special they are, no matter how different, you know, whether it is like somebody voted for Trump or somebody voted for Hillary or whatever it is. At the end of the day, if you take those little uh, extra things out of the picture and you look at somebody and you really, you have this ability to connect with the soul of somebody, the deep essence of who they are. And then you realize everybody is so beautiful. You know, we're all here having this human existence and going through the things that we need to, to do. But if we have compassion and take our, take the surface out of the equation, we can really connect with something much deeper. And that's when magic happens. And I think Again, I keep bringing this up because you do that very, you have a talent for that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure a lot of your friends will be tuning into this podcast to listen to the Christopher Galliano <laughs> man that we all I hope. To. I, I hope there's something. <laughs> yeah. I hope it was okay. This is this there's, is a this is I've great. never I've never had a, been in front of a microphone. There's like so this. many things to learn from you, Chris, but if there is one thing that in, you know, in the, at least this one episode and the next time we'll learn something else is if we, if we can learn, if we can take out of this part, learn the ability to, I'm going to challenge everyone out there to look at everyone that you deal with on your daily basis. That can be somebody that you've never met before, uh, the bus driver of the bus you take, the person in the bakery, the person that's checking you out at the grocery store. and smile, you know, take a moment to smile and, and, and look at them with kind eyes and love in your heart. And what, what is it in them? Is there something you like the way they're dressed? Do you like the way they speak? Do you like the color of their hair? Do you like the spark in their eyes? Because there will be something that you're going to love about them. And if you can connect with that, everything else fades away. And once everything else fades away, there's just you and them and the pure essence of love, which is what we are. It all goes back to we are love. We are all one. And then everything fades away. And that's when peace and joy, joy is one of the highest vibrations that we can possibly have. And so when we can connect to all human beings like that, and then it's, it's like everything else is just fluff, you know? Yeah, it's all, it's all gravy. It's all it's gravy a- at that point. I totally agree. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I think we get so caught up in, in the little things of, yeah. you know, I am this, I am that, you are this, you are that. And then at the and it's like, okay, well, take all of that and let's just be and be happy and smile. And like you, just treat everybody equally and, and then wait and see. Sit back. Give yourself, give yourself a month of doing that and notice all of the shifts in your life. It would be amazing. I'd love to see a world where we get out of, you know, he, she, me, him, who, them, 
day and get into actually looking at what's really what needs to be solved, what needs to be improved, and and sharing ideas and coming up with solving problems instead of talking about people. Oh my but god. But actually that sounds amazing. But actually working to a common goal for the common good, which is which is in my opinion a layer of abstraction, a higher level of thinking, but also a layer of abstraction beyond this low level thinking about, you know, issues and people and, and, and all this other stuff. As soon as we can get out of that, I think we'll be in a better place. Yeah, the issues and people and all of that, it's a distraction and it's actually very uh, soothing, meaning like it's very fitting because it's a way for us to to put our minds into something that doesn't matter. So yeah. on a human level, we love to get distracted. So because how how easy it is when you're talking about other people and things and all of that drama, yeah. then you just don't go deeper. And when you don't go deeper, then it's like, well, I'm going to avoid everything else. And so, you know, the same token that there's many of us just that all of that, the reality TV shows and the these magazines and whatever, talking about people are gossiping and that that's that's just so that we can distract our minds so we don't need to go deeper. It's a major distraction. It's a major distraction. But we, a lot of times we do it very consciously of what we're doing. Oh, well, you know what? Let me just numb myself so I don't have to go deeper into anything. And that's that. But yeah. when you take all of that in the equation, then yeah, let's discuss ideas. Let's discuss feelings. What's next? What, you know, who cares who's doing what or what, but... On a, on a planetary level, but the the cool thing is that right now there's so many people wanting that. There's so many people who are bored and had enough of mm-hmm. that. So yesterday conversation about who is wearing what, who's dating who, who. Oh, she did this to me. He did this to me. It's like seriously, we're that's just so yesterday. We're done with that. It doesn't do anything for anyone. It doesn't. It doesn't serve humanity. No. Doesn't make the world a better place. Doesn't make you feel any happier no. or, in the long run. Oh, I'm so this. I'm so that. I'm so this. I'm so. It's like that too. Like the world doesn't revolve. You know, and one of my teachers, Marian Williamson, who I always tune into, she says, "No one is special, and everybody's special. Everybody's special, and nobody's special equally." So. You know, we're all special and none of us are. And that's that's that. So the the drama of revolving with your own human drama, it's it's very to me, it's like that's so yesterday. It's yesterday. Grow, it's grow it's a it's it, it's not a vibration that does anything it's constructive. Not. It's not. And um that's that's what I would like to see. Let let's just have better ideas. Let's have better ideas. And let's have the courage to take the next step of that idea. You know, you don't just take the next step, solve a problem, pick a problem, pick something that, that bothers you, and start there and, and make the world a better place with that. You feel rewarded, very rewarded. And if you have fear, just let go of that fear and move forward with your hopes and dreams and your ideas because they are they are there for a reason. If you are tuning into these dreams, hopes and ideas because 
you need to be doing that. So untrain yourself from everything that you have been conditionally trained and told what to do by society and culture and family. And tune in through meditation, yoga, eating healthy and living a healthy lifestyle to the essence of who you are and and have this really clear vision of what you want to be. And then like Chris said, act on it. Because you can't just, you know, thinking it's great, but it all stays up there in the head. So what you really want to do is get that and you want to move into that vibration. Take a chance. Take a chance. What's the worst that can happen when you take a chance? You fail. You you fail. And I think failure, I think failure is a positive thing. There is, so I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember which one it was, but it was like, there is no failure. Whenever I didn't have the outcome that I desired, it always motivated me to do something different. So in some ways, fairy could be, or whatever you want to call it, maybe it's not, maybe it's not getting an A. Not to get into that, but, you know, maybe that, maybe that is the catalyst for change. Yes. And I, and I, and I, and I always want to say if you can't do the same thing and expect a different result, you just can't. If you want a different result, you got to do something different. Yeah. And, and that, that's just, that's just the laws of the universe. I wanted to share this quote with you before, before we tune out something that I've been really inspired by. And my, my hero in this world and world history is Leonardo da Vinci. There's this quote that I always carry with me, and it goes, I have been impressed with the urgency of doing. Knowing is not enough. We must apply. Being willing is not enough. We must do. Leonardo da Vinci. Isn't that great? That is amazing. Wow. Thank you. Well, we can close with that, certainly. Thank you so much, Chris, for being on this podcast. Of course. I am so excited about this podcast. Anytime. I hope I get an invite back. Oh, my God. And you, hopefully we got some good content. You, Yeah, you're, you're definitely uh, going to be uh, like a co-host. And, <laughs> and hopefully the listeners won't, aren't falling asleep just yet. <laughs> no, I think we, we, we went into lots of different places, but that's kind of what happens when there's so much to talk about and uh, when there's so much depth to the conversation, to the co- the conversation and so many years of uh, exploring, you know, a friendship and on a different podcast one day, I'd like to talk about that too. Uh, what are friendships? And, you know, we could spend a whole hour in that and what, what is the meaning of a true friend and, and how does friendship evolves? So, like I said, there's so many things to talk about. I'm so excited about this opportunity to share with you guys and to have some of the people that I truly love and admire um, in this experience. And thank you, Chris, so much for having me in your house and for doing this. I can't wait to sit with you and share (laughs) again. If anybody wants to get a hold of you or say hello to you, you do have a Facebook account, right? I do. I'm uh, Christopher Galliano here in New Orleans, Louisiana. Have a good night. Thank you. Everyone. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.